<laughs> Sizing your projects. Break them down. Break them down. Speaking of breaking it down. Yeah. We cranked out a show without knowing what the fuck we we're going to talk about. These are the fun ones for me, though. Like, I love when we can kind of pull it together. I know that that's not, I, I know, like, I've wanted to get away from that a little bit. Like, you're very good about, like, the show notes are there. Put some stuff in there. And, like, I want to, I want it to be more routine. But I also do like the spontaneity sometimes. It's nice. Yeah. No, I'm totally happy with that. I just, you know, for me, I guess I just need it there as something that, you know, if there's a, if, if we're done or if we fall flat, then I need something to fall back on. Because you're the, uh, you're the big talker here, not me. Ha! Full of hot air right here. The hot <laughs> air machine. Thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Oh, it is. Oh my gosh, look at that. That's pretty neat. So what's new, man? It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, it's been a while since I've even talked to you. You've been uh, kind of buried. Yeah, I've been kind of buried. We'll talk about this some more later, but I do this all the time. Take on, I have a new project, a new side project. We talked a little bit about that, and I can we'll get into some more of that. But it's kind of my shtick, is that I... I'm at a, I'm in this period uh, where like things are really kind of on cruise, like things at work are really easy. I'm cranking stuff out, or there's not a huge backlog, so things are going pretty good. And then I'm ready for something new. I want a new project, or I want to learn a new technology. I want to get into a new framework, or whatever it is. And then I'm some kind of bored, and I'm like, okay, I want to do something new. And then I find something finally. In this case, I, I'm doing a little side project, uh, mobile app development in React Native. And we're going to write it for iOS first and then do Android next. So um, I picked up this project and I got really excited and then I freaked the fuck out because it's like I've never done that before. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I've never done React Native and I have never published anything on the Apple App Store. And not only that, but like the commitment was kind of roughish 12 week commitment to get this whole thing done. So no pressure. Um, but I kind of do that to myself. Like I'll get into this, I fi- I'm bored. I find something then I get in and then I'm a little out over my skis and then I freak out about it. And so I've been kind of in a freak out mode. All that to say, I've been a little bit in a freak out mode the last couple of weeks, but, but I think it's okay. Things are going okay. And it's better this time. So, so you're starting to feel like it's uh smoothing out or you're inching your way toward being somewhat comfortable. It sounds like. Yeah, because I, We've, we've done this enough times. Like, this isn't a new thing, you know, especially at this point in our career. Like, and so I, there have been some good learnings from past experiences that I've applied to this project. So I had put in buffer for certain things and made allowances for other discovery type things that I knew that would happen. And so like, that's been helpful already. And I also kind of like eat your frogs first kind of mentality, like just some of the hairier things that I wanted to tackle that I was scared of or uncertain of how to handle. I've tried to get into that first so that's been helpful to take the edge off a little bit cool well we'll get uh sounds like more into that deeper here in a little bit so 
I, on the other hand, have been dealing with more fucking house woes. I think you, what? You, you, you're aware of the issues that I've already been having. I've had a number of them since we moved into this place. Like the dryer was one. Yeah, we had the laundry issues uh, when we moved in. You know, they still had all the staging furniture still here. Like, there's just been, like, one huh. stupid thing after another with this place. Right. And uh, I don't know, the last time I talked to you, but the, the the coaster doesn't stop, man. I mean, we've recently found some water damage in one of the windowsills. Oh, no. So we've been working with them to try and get that fixed, but they haven't been very responsive. So we were even almost to the point of getting a an attorney ready to go. But luckily, they have responded at least a little bit, and they came out to look at it, but they haven't sent an actual contractor out to fix it. So then that kind of got all buttoned up, or at least on the right track. And then the other day, we come home, and there's no fucking gas in the place. It's Everything's gas. It's... uh. Gas heat, gas stove, gas water heater. Oh, shit. And there's no gas. And I'm like, what the hell's happening here? Well, for whatever reason, uh, the utility company came out and just shut it off. Mine and the neighbors. And no no door tag, no anything. Just shut it off. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Bills are paid. No idea what the hell the deal was. So. And they're in, like, everything's already in your name at this point? Or is the builder still kind of paying for a few months? Or what's going nope, on? It's already all transferred. I don't know. Nobody knew. I called the customer service, had no idea. They were like, your account's in good standing. It says it's on, like everything should be good. We called like a service guy. He came out and he, he like, there was clearly a lock on the actual um, valve. Wow. So he took that off and was like, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened here. He's like, I think they might've been mislabeled. But I was like, even then, even if they were mislabeled, why would you come out, shut off two of them and not leave any kind of notification? <laughs> I don't know. Just weird. Pretty screwy. Yep. And then come home this evening, man, and uh, not not my place, luckily, but the neighbor. Uh, I could I walked by his door, which I have to to get to my uh, unit, and I just smell like a super strong smell of gas, like natu- oh, natural gas. Shit. And I look over at his door, and there's a pipe that kind of pops up through the cement and then goes into the wall of the house. And that pipe was really really wet, and it was actually like dripping. And so we kind of got freaked out and we called the utility company again and we're like, hey, we got a gas leak here. Um, Come to find out, apparently they were out earlier in the day and did some sort of like sealing on those pipes of some kind, I guess, is what their explanation was. And that the smell of gas, at least for, a, I don't know, a few hours was probably normal. But again, no notification at all. So... This place has just been a fuck show. I'm kind of getting tired of it. Ah, fuck, man. You know, that's just the last thing you want to deal with when you plop down a serious chunk of change on a new place. I mean, it's one thing if you were getting a fixer-upper, but uh, this place is like a few months old. Yeah, I mean, we've lived here maybe six, seven months at this point, something like that, and it was Ah, built. We were the first owners. It was just built. So I was telling Brian the other day in the office, my manager, you know, I was just like, man, I'm getting really tired of like having to give you the excuse that I have to stay home for house shit. Yeah. And it's and to your point like it's not a, it's a new house, it's not an old like fixer upper that needs a ton of work, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I that's Yeah, and it's like that's a very typical response unfortunately. I've had that experience uh well, not personally, but just with other people that I know. The builder is is a little Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Like when you meet them and they're selling the fucking place, like they're willing to do everything and anything for you. And then the second the keys are handed over, like you can't get a hold of them for anything. 
Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's frustrating, especially like in in a competitive space like Seattle, where you have you're paying top dollar for these places. You think you get a little better service, but doesn't seem to be the case necessarily. Yep. Fuckers. Well. Yeah. What else is new? Uh, I so I've been using for a while. I used Wonderlist as a to do a to do app. Do you use a to do app? Like a a getting things done type of app. Yeah, I do. I'm back in that groove again, and this time I'm using Todoist. Todoist, okay, that's good because we're going to talk about that later. So, oh, nice. I uh, was working through. I used to use Wonderlist, and I actually really loved Wonderlist quite a lot. However, it got purchased and folded in when Microsoft acquired them, uh, and Microsoft went ahead and launched a new app that they just call simply To Do Microsoft To Do. Well, I'm familiar with that as well a little bit. And it's not too bad. I used it a little bit. It's a little light on features. Um, but generally speaking, it was okay. Um, but I ended up finding myself having some troubles, mainly because they don't have... It's not a cross-application and cross-platform app, uh, application. And so I was kind of finding myself being... You, they do have a web interface, but I found myself wanting an actual application that I could interact with. Yeah, And so I kind of went back to the drawing board and started, you know, researching what to do apps are available and, and what's out there. And I had a couple, I guess, stiff requirements that I wanted to have, you know, that I wasn't willing to budge on. And, and the first one was that it had to be cross-platform and multi-device. So huge. I work, yeah. I work in the Mac world. I work in the Windows world. You know, I'm on mobile devices. So I need, I need apps that can sync the, sync the content across all of them and work across all of them. So... That was kind of item number one that if it didn't meet that, it was out. So um, the to-do app itself was out immediately. Um, number two was that it needed to have some sort of a, a reasonably nice UI. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm a designer, but I'm a creative type. So I definitely appreciate a good, clean design. So, you know, it had to have a reasonably good UI. Yeah. Another one that I use a lot in in to do apps is I needed reoccurring tasks, which doesn't seem to be a real common thing in to do apps. I don't. I find a lot of them don't seem to support that for very for various reasons, or maybe not in the way that I want it supported. I guess. What is the example like? Take out the trash every Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, or... you got it exactly. Or even even more silly than that, I have a reminder every single day uh, set that goes off at one o'clock that just says no fucking sugar. Oh, nice. In the afternoon when you're kind of in that little coma after lunch. That's right. Yeah. So just kind of a little reminder not to, you know, walk up and get my hand in the M&M jar or something. Yeah. Grab a Snickers out of the old Q-Dub Snicker bin. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and then the last requirement that I had is that it had to be pretty visible that it was still being actively worked on. I didn't want, you know, a stale application that wasn't being consistently updated uh, or just had been abandoned, that sort of thing. Um, so... And and really, I, I you know I didn't really um, have to look very far. I ended up settling pretty rapidly on Todoist, the same one you just mentioned, and and so far it seems to serve all my needs. And another thing that I actually really have enjoyed about it is that, in addition to being cross-platform uh, and multi-device, the included in the multi-device is the fact that I can now also just tell Alexa to add shit to my my Todoist lists, which is pretty awesome. Oh, I haven't even tried that yet. That's awesome. 
So yeah, that was another one of the big perks. I was like, oh man, that's like a total winner to me. And even though the the application, I think for the, I don't know what they call it, the pro edition or whatever they service plan they give you was like 25 bucks a year or something. It was totally worth it so far. And, and so far I'm loving the app. It's definitely a huge improvement. I love like the natural speech recognition, I guess maybe you would call it, or natural text entry recognition as you add tasks to it. So for instance, you would say, take out the trash tomorrow at six. And it will actually figure all that out from text, what it is that you meant and create it as a reoccurring event or, you know, those sorts of things just based off keywords that you type in, which is pretty cool. I agree a hundred percent. I love it. I, I bought the pro package for similar reasons. It was a low bar, low barrier to entry there. I thought, why not? Cause yeah, there were some features that I wanted that I didn't get out of the freebie too, but that's sweet. I did not know about the, the voice piece with Alexa, so I definitely am going to try that after this. But similarly, I love even typing it in when you put in those certain keywords, the tomorrow or something. Um, if I mention the name of one of my labels, cause I have different, you know, different categories, like all those things, it will infer that from what I'm typing and then categorize it the right way. And that's pretty cool. It saves a lot of time little keyboard shortcut cue to pop open the quick ad and then just type a couple things and you're done. You're not really spending time in the app. It's just a very efficient interface. Get it in, get it out of there kind of a deal. Right. And yeah, I feel like it's like you said, it's very, it's very efficient. You don't spend a lot of time organizing. You just kind of like pop in there, you type in exactly what you want and you're done. Yeah. It's really easy. Really, really slick. I'm really happy with it. I definitely recommend the app to anyone that needs a to-do app. Um, And if, if you're not feeling confident or comfortable with the app that's provided on your phone because I, I did used to use iOS iOS reminders I think is what it's called that's the built-in iOS version and again that that leaves quite a lot to be desired so if you're looking for something uh, a little more feature fully full featured Todoist is a great app I'm gonna argue a pretty scientific study here we both in a double blind scientific study, we both came to the conclusion to do was the winner. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's, that's about as scientific as you're going to get here. I didn't know you were looking into it. I just did this a couple of weeks ago, one or two weeks ago. So since the last episode aired, I needed to get organized for reasons we were discussing earlier. And, um, I tried <laughs> kind of went down the same path you did and, and landed on this one and it's been great. And I haven't really looked back and haven't had to think about it much. It's just easy to do. And it's right there. Synergy, buddy. Boom. I don't mind the gamification too. I'll, I'll add like my little like re- whatever score that you get for completing shit is kind of fun. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't really played around with that too much. I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not super into that, although I guess there's, you know, if, if you're competitive or something like that, I, I can see how you might get into that. But so far, I haven't I haven't really played with that too much. Like the other day, there was a down arrow next to my score, and I was like, well, that's not good, so I need to do some shit, so I got some shit done. I may have added some things and then checked them off, because I forgot to add them before. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, is it? <laughs> Probably not, but it got the score back up in the proper place where it needed to be. All right, well, in the news, we've talked a number of times about Alexa and or the Echo devices, and we've talked about Sonos devices. Well, good old Apple... Our favorite company here on the show love Apple. wants to uh, join the fray and they've now released what they call the Apple HomePod. Ho! Oh, finally, we were talking about this around Thanksgiving time. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So 
I don't, I, uh, I'll be honest, I don't have one of these and I don't know anybody that does. So everything that I'm, uh, everything that I say, I guess, is totally from reviews or other things that I've read online. But so far, uh, reviews seem to indicate that the sound quality is, is superb, um, just as good as even, say, like the Sonos Play 5, which is kind of the, the flagship product from Sonos. Uh, some people not the entry level product. That's more of a high end uh, Sonos. That's right. Yeah, that's like kind of the top dog. Well, I mean, aside from maybe like the Play Bar or something, but like that's the top dog single speaker that they have. Uh, and some people are even saying maybe even slightly better in terms of sound quality. So it's getting some pretty nice reviews. Um, the things that people are complaining about mostly are app related, so it doesn't support Sonos out of the box or at all. Sorry, it doesn't support um, Spotify, rather, out of the box. Um, so you're kind of locked into the Apple ecosystem. Typical Apple, right? Of course. Beats by Dre out of the box, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe Tidal. Maybe you can get on Tidal. Oh, that'd be nice. I like that. Uh, as far as like Siri integration goes, because you know you're, it, it is a smart assistant, or that's part of its claim, uh, the Siri Siri recognition or voice recognition is supposed to be pretty pretty awesome as well compared to the iPhone. I don't know how many people out there have iPhones, but as uh, I, I have one, and any time that I ask Siri anything on the iPhone, she doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So uh, people who also have that complaint seem to be pretty happy with the voice recognition on this particular device, which is, I guess, at least promising that maybe they're improving some of that. Now, that's interesting because I've heard, I have not heard about that, comparing the phone to the HomePod, but I have heard that Siri on the HomePod, compared to some of the other ones out there, is not as robust. That I definitely can believe. But yeah, I've I've read definitely some things about about the phone because the phone, like I said, I never use Siri on the phone at all because it's horrible. Like every time I do it, either you like you you push the button to like activate her, and then she just like clicks off before you even say anything, or it's just really clunky. It never works exactly like you want it to. It's not like hey, Alexa, do X, Y, Z, and she just does it, right? It's really a painful process, and so I just never do it, which sounds like maybe they've cleaned up with this, but who knows. I, I imagine the the far field mics and all that sort of thing probably help out significantly. So wow. um, only other thing I've read about this thing, I keep reading articles about it and people are like freaking out, which is kind of funny, is that it doesn't have a removable power cord, that's like the one gripe that I keep seeing over and over and over again. It's actually like a physically attached power cord. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess if you need to replace it, that's a big deal, but I, I don't know. I did hear, uh, as a little cliff note, that they would repair that cable for you for the low, low price of 29 Bitcoin. Oh. 29, app, 29 bucks. Not 29 Bitcoin. 29 <laughs> bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw the same type of thing. So... You know, you're 29 bucks and you're in the Apple HomePod itself is uh, about 350 bucks. So, you know, there you go. You got yourself a, a home audio solution and uh, Apple makes a few a few hundred on you. Don't open it up, though. I I saw somebody had did, done a little teardown of this device and it's fucking rock solid. It's built like a tank. Uh, at one point, they had to get a hacksaw to open one piece up because it's not meant for repair. So, like, if you... <laughs> If you think you're going to go in there and unscrew a couple of things, think again. Uh, it's it's very well hardened and it's not meant for any kind of uh, repairs. So yeah, if you're not 
not too not familiar with this device. It's a what does it say? It's six, almost seven inches high, uh, about five and a half inches wide, and inside of it is a woofer, uh, an array of seven horn tweeters, hmm. uh, w- which have their own amplifier. The woofer also has its own amplifier. Six microphone array for far field Siri. Uh, wow. <laughs> So there's a lot of tech. I mean, and there's other things in here too. There's also an internal low frequency mic for automatic bass correction, so it can kind of uh, adjust the bass level for you based on what it's getting back in terms of vibration. So I mean, it's packing quite a punch that that is inside of this thing. So uh, ultimately, I think coming down the road, one of the big features to this guy is what's called AirPlay Two. Um, if you're not in the Apple world, AirPlay is a proprietary. Uh, I guess, music streaming device over Wi-Fi um, or technology over Wi-Fi. So eventually the iPod or Home HomePod, excuse me, is uh, set to accept AirPlay 2, which should open it up to a whole range of other audio sources like Spotify and any other app that you want to connect to it. Okay. So you do get AirPlay out of the box, but that's like the first gen airplay uh i don't think it even has airplay one currently i think you have to wait until they enable airplay two which isn't available yet what the fuck is that all so about? currently your only available options are apple music itunes icloud music beats one live apple podcasts and oh it does say airplay yep so airplay one okay so there's gonna be some new yeah that sounds like the apple thing to do there will be the home pod s coming out in another year that'll be that'll <laughs> unlock the really cool shit that you wish this one did but you just can't get an upgrade that's probably about right yeah i get it well it's everybody's got to make a buck well speaking of making bucks uh you like to bag on apple a lot i know so i i don't have the article in front of me and i did not uh put it in the show notes however did you see the article about how many google pixel phones were sold in the last year I thought it was somewhere around 2.7 million or so. Yep, I think that's about right. Something like that. And the article yeah. the article that I read was poking fun at that a little bit, saying basically that's about the number of iPhones Apple sells in a month. <laughs> oh, fuck. Is that right? <laughs> oh, I found it. Here it is. I was off. Google sold 3.9 million Pixel phones, less than a week's worth of iPhones. Oh, sales. a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's no more... Wow, this is on the verge, and I'm reading through it right now. Da 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 da. The global smartphone market that hit 1.5 billion units in less than a week worth of iPhone sales. Well, I have a Pixel. I bought one, so I guess we're a pretty rare breed that bought the Pixel last year. Yeah, it sounds like it's a rarer breed than I guess I would have thought. I'm surprised by that. I thought there'd be more sales for it. It's a good device. I know there was some issues with the Pixel XL. Right with the screen, some discoloration, so there was a little setback there, but uh, I don't know if it would account for all that. That's very interesting. Well, Apple's walled garden is holding people in, man. I don't know. I don't know about it. I mean, I do like the phone. Sounds like there's the rumor mill kicking up again about some of the new Androids coming out are going to try to mimic the curve in the iPhone. I did hear that this week. Yeah, I did see that too. The They're going to throw the notch up there just to kind of entice the iPhone folks that are used to that now, right? Yeah. Man, fuck the notch. I don't I don't like the notch. Just embrace it. Embrace the notch, man. Ugh, I'm not a big fan of the notch. They need to find a way. So it's interesting. There's probably we could get a patent on this. We could make a few bucks doing this, Kyle. But you know, when I was back in the home audio business a few years back, there were some interesting products. So a lot of the 
times we do uh, whole house audio systems. We put ceiling speakers in or wall speakers in, and it was more of a two-channel stereo kind of a deal, but you could have music kind of playing in the house before Sonos, right? I mean, it was really a hardwired hook up to an, a big amp in the basement kind of a setup. But there were some interesting products that came out around that time that were meant for new construction or like, you know, home builders at the time of uh, building. You could actually put these, they were sort of speakers, but not the same way that we think of tweeters and woofers. Like these devices actually installed between the studs and you'd cover them up with drywall. And the the device, like it was metal and it would actually make surface contact with the drywall and it would use the drywall as the woofer and the tweeter. It would do some kind of like wave form onto the drywall and it would go through and come out like sound. So you'd hear sound coming through the wall. Wow. That's was, how, how did that did it sound okay? And it sounded like I didn't listen to this. I just saw the product on there, but it was a high end product and people that listened to it thought it sounded pretty good. I don't know how it'd stack up to like audiophile quality when you're high dollar systems, but if you didn't want to see the speakers and you wanted it to be invisible, it sounded pretty damn good is what I heard. That's crazy. I, I, I felt for a while that that's kind of a spot that Sonos has yet to fill is the the kind of in-ceiling speaker. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I know they need power, which is a major problem, right, for them. But I feel like you could pretty easily create a self-contained uh, ceiling speaker just like they do currently. And then maybe like leave leave kind of uh, electrical ends uh, and maybe you just like put it right next to like say a can light in your ceiling and, and tie off onto that or something like that i guess that wouldn't work because that's going to be switched on and off i don't know it just seems like a pretty big hole that they've they've not yet filled i don't know maybe they maybe that's why it's because of the power situation but the power situation is a tough one to nail and i think you you're on the right track though there was a phillips for a while and a couple guys came out with light bulbs when led was just starting to come out they came out with led bulbs that actually had speakers built in you could put it into a regular socket the speaker quality wasn't great. It was like Alexa quality, I, echo quality. I've seen a few of those, and a lot of them now have come out where, yeah, you can use your like your Wi-Fi to control what's being broadcast to them, and you can group them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So it's a nice retrofit option. It's not quite the same, but you think that Sonos could maybe do something like that? There would be, I don't know, maybe they could even make something that would go into one of those can light fixtures, but then be a little bigger, and I don't know, even have a light on it but be a more robust speaker right. be an interesting area. I'm sure they've looked into it for whatever reason they decided now we're just going to do shelf speakers, right. bookshelf speakers. Yep. But my whole point of that technology about putting the that device in the wall, like that sound generator or whatever the fuck it was, is that like you could get away with the notch on the phone if you could do something similar to that. I don't know if you could have do away with the speaker line on the phone and just have – have some device that when you have the phone to your ear, it translates the the waves into your ears. Right? Oh, so just, yeah, using vibration through the phone itself, maybe. Yeah, it's almost like, it reminds me of, have you heard of bone conduction headphones? Exactly, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Exactly right. Yep. Get rid of uh, one more port, if you will. It's not really a port, but it's another design feature that has to be built into the device, the speaker, and nobody really gives a shit about that, so... Yep. Bone conduction. Right on, man. HomePod, good good for you guys for getting the product out there <laughs> February 10th. We appreciate that. I wanted to just briefly mention in the news the Uber Waymo reached a settlement this week. And I don't know how much you've been following along, but 
Waymo is a parent company is Alphabet and they have the self-driving car technology. And a couple of years ago, things got heated up because Uber was interested in the self-driving space as well. And back when Trav was running the show uh, at Uber, he was he was very competitive and was very interested in any kind of details he could get from those guys over there. And so there was a big allegations that uh, some of the engineers that came over, one in particular had brought a bunch of documents over from Waymo and that there were some trade secrets that made their way over there. So anyway, like that has been ongoing for the last couple of years, right? I think a year or two, maybe more. I don't know, a couple of years. And the settlement had been reached. $245 million Uber agreed to pay Waymo to not use their technology. And basically they just said, look, like it didn't, it, Dara, the CEO at Uber had said this wasn't handled the way it should have been. He wasn't there at the time. He's kind of been here after Travis left to kind of clean things up, but pretty sweet deal for Uber, honestly, like $245 million. It's actually a stock. They're paying them in stock, which is, uh, I think they valued the company at $74 billion, uh, which equates to about 0.34%. One third of 1% of the company's valuation to make this some bitch go away. So what was the, do you know what like the actual technology or the crux of the actual uh, litigation was? Well, I, it was about trade secrets being stolen, you know, brought in from Waymo to Uber. But it's in particular, I think it was the LIDAR. The LIDAR technology is like the, it's a new radar that they use, light detection and range systems that it's basically the car's eyes. Like that's how the sists, the car can see in front of it, a couple cars ahead of it. Okay. It was that technology that really is driving the uh, autonomous vehicle technology. And so I think there was some, the, the issue, uh, that they were debating or that was being, you know, under question was whether some of those trade secrets were, were stolen or not. That's interesting too, that, that LIDAR would have been the crux of the argument here. I guess it's a difference between companies. Cause there was just an article that came out. Uh, I think it was a couple days ago that Elon Musk basically was saying that LIDAR isn't necessary for, uh, self-driving vehicles, even, even, um, what do they call it? Uh, full autonomy. I can't remember what the term is. Is it level six or whatever? Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically saying it's unnecessary that we don't need those kind of radars to make our cars autonomous. So kind of an interesting argument, especially given that this settlement uh, obviously was worth so much money. Yeah, I'm sure that when you get into the specifics of it, they have they probably had a unique twist to it or something that was proprietary that made it different. I don't know. I mean, sure, there's multiple ways to attack to approach that problem. Uh of course, Elon would have a way to do it without that. But, that you know, he's also sending roadsters into outer space, too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a good settlement. I think it's, it was a win for Uber, obviously, because they can put this behind them. This was something that was kind of looming over after their shitty year last year with everything that was going on. Like, this is one more piece that they can walk away from and, and look to the future. Some good things happening there, I think, now. And um, there was never really an admission here that they used the technology or did anything with it, but they just said it wasn't handled properly and that they would not use that info going forward. Hmm. Fucking Uber, man. Who would have known a cab company could be so scandalous? Boom. You know, scandalous. Uh, well, it's getting better. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not. We'll see. Y to be determined, right? TBD. I 
Like I was telling you offline before, I like what I've heard about Dara because I know that our coworker has worked with him at Expedia and had a lot of good things to say about him. And so far, I think he's done some pretty amazing wizardry. He came in having to deal with some pretty big shit and has done really well so far. So I am excited to see the transformation and hopeful that things will be quite a bit different there going forward. I mean, that was the other interesting thing, too, in his statement that he made. It wasn't even so much. I mean, there was a big. To me, what was amazing about it was not only the settlement, but it was the relationship, uh, the bridge that I thought was burned. It looks like they've been able to kind of restore relations there, even saying that, look, like we need to put our companies aside and like what we can achieve with autonomous driving is, is bigger than us and bigger than this debate. And we didn't handle it well at the time. And we're not going to we need to be partners going forward. And so it even left some hope there that Alphabet and Uber could work together down the road in some capacity, which I thought, man, that's pretty cool to be able to recover from that in such a way. Yeah, that's yeah, especially in a multi-year kind of litigation situation. I think that's pretty, pretty amazing that you could set your differences aside and and, yeah, for the greater good, maybe leave the door open for future collaboration. I think that's important as well. We will see. Tell me, Mike, a little bit more about your uh, side projects and overextending yourself too often. Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the deals, like overextension, but it's really like it's a combination of that with mixed in with the the imposter syndrome shit that we talk about sometimes. With I don't know, I'm a firm believer that when in order to grow, in order to learn, that we need to get out in front of our skis a little bit. Like I don't think safe is always the the best way for growth. Like the the path to growth is by putting yourself out there a little far sometimes. And so I've always operate under that. I have some funny stories I can tell about that later, but I won't tell them all now. But I think uh, just in previous projects that I've done and previous companies that I've, that I've run, some of the things that we've done, we definitely probably didn't have business doing, but we figured it out. And I think that you, when you listen to other people that have had successes, like it's a common theme is that, yeah, well, we weren't really, I was just, I'll tell you what, we're, I was just listening to, uh, Ryan Serhant. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a young um, a real estate broker in Manhattan. He's on million dollar listing. Um, and his story is really funny. And it's kind of like this talk about putting yourself out there. So he went to New York. He had aspirations to be an actor and was having difficulty getting into that scene, needed to pay his bills. And some friends of his at the time, pre-2008 crash, were just killing it in real estate, running apartments on Craigslist and making, um, you know, little spiffs for getting those apartments rented. So he got into the real estate game as a way to pay rent and find the acting gig. Somehow that led him to, there was a series, there was something that was announced. The million dollar listing show was coming to New York and they already had it in LA and it was working really well and they wanted to bring it to the East coast. And so they had uh, an audition, 3000 real estate agents showed up to audition for the show And he went in and convinced them that he was a rock star fucking broker who had really only been doing it for a few months in New York City. And uh, he was one of the three chosen out of the 3,000 to be on the show. And so all of a sudden now he's thinking, how the fuck am I going to get million dollar listings? Because like I've only been doing this for a few months. I'm pretty green and uh, I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. And I just convinced them that I'm like a powerhouse broker in Manhattan. So... He's been doing it now for seven seasons, so he figured out how to make it work, right? But um, 
I, I like that because I can relate to that story. Like there's been different points in my life where like the rubber meets the road and it's like I had an opportunity and I needed an out. I need, I needed it, the opportunity to work out. And so, um, jumped in maybe without thinking it through <laughs> the whole way. Um, and, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but you do learn and grow from that. I think there's kind of another angle you might take on that story. And that is that to your point of kind of being out over your skis is just being not comfortable. Um, I think, yes, I think a, a number of times throughout my career, I've been very, very uncomfortable. And during those periods of uncomfort are the periods of my career where I've grown the most, the, the quickest. Um, mm. And one of those that I can recall very explicitly is I had left my job at Seattle Children's Hospital, um, a place where I guess technically I was considered probably the lead engineer at the time, which is kind of sad to say. Um, but I was considered the lead engineer f for that group. Um, and without kind of knowing any better, I felt that I was doing doing very well. Uh, I knew a lot of shit and I kind of jumped over to another company, uh, Groundspeak, as a matter of fact, uh, which I worked with another coworker of ours at briefly. Um, and and pretty quickly, I kind of uh, got knocked on my ass there and, and shown that I didn't know a hell of a lot. I actually was kind of way behind, which really lit a fire under my ass to learn a whole slew of new technologies and, and catch back up on things that I had apparently missed during the time that I was at Children's. So even though I ended up ultimately getting let go of that job after about three months, um, it was probably one of the biggest growing experiences I had in my career. And, and it was really painful and really uncomfortable at the time, but it was a very, very valuable period. What an opportunity now. I mean, you didn't say that then, of course, but you having gone through it, looking back, what an opportunity that was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, oddly enough, I, you know, I work with the guy that I technically was reporting to, I guess you might say at the time. I don't, I don't, I don't remember technically the whole hierarchy, but I'm pretty sure I reported to him, or at least it seemed like I did. Uh, and, and he was in the room when I got let go. And now I, I still work with the guy, you know, I have nothing but, but respect for him. And I, I think he respects me and, and the quality of work that I do as well. And, and so there was no hard feelings. It was just a, a, piece of growth that I needed to do and, and I needed to do the work to get there and, and I did it. And here we are. You know, I want to say something about that. You just maybe think of this idea too, or this, this reality, because we talk about imposter syndrome and talk about just not feeling good enough. Here's a situation where you got into it. You were a little over your skis. You learned a lot, but it didn't work out. You got let go. You guys work together now. Um, I've, I've had a lot of experiences like this where, um, where I've had the realization that it's it's definitely not personal. I think it's really tough to be, especially after rejection or even if it's going to an interview and it didn't go well or it's like, oh, man, you just knew that it, w it wasn't your day. And um, for me, that would be a really not only a humbling experience, but I typically would beat the shit out of myself about that. Like, oh, man, I can't go back and do it again or I really suck. And um, I learned this just from doing interviews at our current company when we, we had a few runs there where we were doing interviews more than any, more than writing code, you know, it was just like, let's get another one through the door. And it wasn't personal. Like, I mean, even when I had great interactions with the people that just weren't a good fit and it was like, look, it's not about you. It's just not a good fit. And so I think that's, I, I don't know why I felt the need to bring that up other than just like, I want, I, I think it's important to know for people that are out there that are in pursuit that it really, um, 
it's just a learning experience. Get back out there, figure it out, make a few tweaks, and then and then go back. In some, in some cases, you can even go back to the same place and have a different outcome. It just wasn't the timing wasn't right. Yeah, I think in terms of you're talking about interviews. You know, if 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 you're a, if it's a if it's a good employer, and b if you've um, corrected whatever problems it was that you got dinged for in the interview, or even if it just for whatever reason something was you know wrong during that particular day, or if you had uh, you know, something else going on in your life and you're distracted and just couldn't focus or whatever, any, whatever the case may be, you should, they should give you another shot if they're in any kind of a good employer, uh, at some point down the road and, and see that you've, that you're worth, that you can, you can cut it for them, I guess. Just don't be fucking nervous though. That's one thing I'll say is like, just slap yourself out in the lobby before you go upstairs. I think I've noticed too, like too many people coming in and like being so nervous that it was just like a barrier to even like writing their name on the chalkboard or whatever, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like, get that shit out. Like, you know, go do a sprint, like wear yourself out, whatever the fuck it takes. But, um, don't, don't bring that in. I think that's the one thing that I can say, but, uh, but anything else is like, just, just, you'll learn from it. Yep. I think on the other end of that too, like you're, you're talking about coming into the interview as if you leave the interview and it goes a little less than, then stellar, you know, like take it as a learning experience. I mean, obviously you need to kind of, for lack of a better word, grieve it, right? Like maybe, yeah. maybe it was something that you were really, really interested in uh, and it didn't work out. Well, I mean, unfortunately, that's unfortunate. Um, give it a day, give it two days, give it a week, whatever it may be that it takes you to kind of get past it. But ultimately you should reflect on it and, and kind of use that as fuel, use it as a, a barometer to get better. Fuck yeah, 100%. I agree with that sentiment couldn't say that any better myself uh yeah so all that to say getting back to the topic that i was saying is that you know i'm i my specific example of of kind of getting out over my skis right now a little bit was taking on another side project so like i said in the beginning of the show things have been kind of routine for a little bit like work's been pretty good i'm keeping on top of things not a big backlog wanting to get my feet wet again in some new front end stuff. Cause I have been doing a lot of middle tear things for the last year and a half, two years with the Azure migration and getting into event hubs and queues and all that kind of cool messaging shit, fun stuff, but I'm not doing a lot on the front end. So enter this opportunity to do a new project and it's a um, mobile app development react native kind of the first project is going to be targeted towards iOS devices in the app store and then we'll go back and release it on android as a follow-up and uh decided to do that in react native have not worked with react before uh it's a 12-week timeline so not not a quick pro well it's a pretty quick timeline i think it's a pretty aggressive timeline because i'm the only developer on it and so there's front-end work there's also the back-end work i need to build the database the apis and all that shit for the react native application and um, do that on my nights and weekends, right? Um, so got that uh, negotiation process, went pretty well. Went back and forth a few rounds. I think we both came out of it feeling pretty good about it. Got the deal signed and started working on it. And instantly just... And I was up front with those guys. I want to say that too. I think it's important, like when you're getting out in front of your skis a little bit, like I didn't bullshit anybody and say, Oh yeah, I built 10 of these before. Like this is no big deal. Like, no, I was very upfront and said, look, like I've been a web developer for X years, but this is the first time I've done an iOS application. 
right, in the App Store. I've done websites for a long time. I've done APIs. I've done database. I understand how this stuff works, but I haven't done React Native ES6 on iOS. So if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. And we were, you know, we worked it out to where it was a win for everybody. But, but yeah, I did feel after taking it on about 30 seconds of excitement and then this doom and gloom, like what the <laughs> fuck did I get into? <laughs> fuck man. For the next 12 weeks, I'm not going to sleep. Like I'm, I got to cancel my appointments. I can't go out anymore. I got to fucking order, you know, 20 pounds of beans. I got to call Simon up and get a fucking huge fucking truckload of Starbucks coffee over here. <laughs> I will say, man, like you, you have definitely been like, Head down, low, low profile. I, I can definitely say that. The last few weeks? Yep. Yeah, and I I don't know how I feel about that. I think like it's good because it's been a great start. So I've only been at it for, I think this is week four-ish, four and a half. And like to date right now, I actually have um, a backend API. I have a database with some stuff tied into it. I'm getting some you know mock data out of my swagger. I've got a React Native project with like 12 screens set up with routing and a little like hamburger menu. And so I have some sample data from the APIs on the screen. I think that's pretty cool for not doing it before in four weeks. And it's really only like 10 hours a week. So 40 hours ish. I would say that's real good for, for, I mean, basically you're what a third of the way through then at this point, right? About a third, probably a third of the way through. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, as we, I think that it'll be really easy to get to that 80% mark on time and it's going to be the last 20% that's just going to fucking hose us. Like I want to make, get ahead of that and make sure that like whatever detail stuff, like there's going to be some API integrations with Stripe and some other things. I fucked around with OAuth on Facebook for like four hours the other night because of some header file that was missing that wasn't being linked in Objective C. So there's some bullshit like that that scares me. But, um, but hopefully, like, I can get enough of the app. I'm just trying to do the low-hanging fruit. It's, like, the easy shit that I know how to bang it out, get it done, and then come back and refine later, right? I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think, uh, well, and there's a mix, too. I think earlier you were kind of alluding to trying to figure out some of the big stuff as well, the big scary pieces that you that you really, that were kind of nebulous, that, you know, those would be the, the things that could really bite you quickly because you don't have any idea in terms of scope uh, of A, the learning, and B, what the actual work would be, right? Well, that's true. Actually, yeah, I appreciate the yeah bringing that back around because that's right. Like, for me, getting the React Native app set up um, required a special type of Macintosh for me, the, Hack <laughs> the Hackintosh <laughs> 1.0. <laughs> I hope there's nobody from Apple listening to this. We'll sell out of court really easily and cheaply. Um I'll just buy a Mac Air for 3000 bucks or whatever the fuck they're going for now if I have to do that. But no, uh, seriously though, like just getting the React project set up, there was some prerequisite stuff there. And I was like, oh boy, I've never done that before. You know, and you have to go through the rigmarole of getting the Apple developer thing set up because you have to have the license with Apple and then you've got to get Xcode installed and da 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 fucking bundle ID and all that shit. So like I, you know, some of that stuff I hadn't done before and it took a little time. So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to get into that first. You know, back in the day, maybe when I was a little more green at this sort of thing, what I would have done is said, well, I'm really comfortable with APIs and database. So I'm just going to do that shit first. And I'm going to make sure that's 100% fucking buttoned up. And then that would have taken me six weeks. 
And then at the six week point or whatever, I would have been like, oh, now I need to do the React Native thing and I'm not sleeping anymore because I don't know how the fuck to do it. And I'm getting into it and it's week seven, week eight. Now the deadline's really close and I'm having to stumble around some of this shit that I haven't dealt with before. And, you know, it's just not a good situation. So I think what's been really cool is to take that piece that I hadn't done and say, look, like build out a couple APIs, get some sample things cooking. I'll spend a little time on that, a day on that. But then next, instead of trying to perfect that process, I'm going to go back to the front end and get the React Native app working, get navigation working, get OAuth set up, and struggle with that now. And then if I need to take a break, I can go back to the API shit because it's easy and fun, and I can go and then come back to the hard shit. And so it's been a nice back and forth, right? A little bit of a dance between the front and the back, and it's not too overwhelming because I have a lot of runway right now. I think that's a nice approach. I've been working on not not a paid app. There's no no value value in it or stakeholder in it other than myself in if in my case. But I've been working on just a little app that I push up to Azure and I do it a little off and on in my free time. And it's a, it's the same type of thing. It's a web application with an API, and and I'm thinking about eventually down the road using those APIs to do a React Native um, application for iOS and those sorts of things as well. Um, but yeah, I think to your point with the, with the kind of bouncing around a little bit, uh, I think that's a pretty helpful, uh, way to do it. I think you kind of, uh, set some pieces up and then kind of bounce over somewhere else that, that you really have a lot of interest in, uh, at the time and kind of set that up for a little while. And then maybe if you get stuck, bounce off to something else and, and work on that for a little bit and then come back. I think that's a pretty healthy way to do it. And I think it keeps you interested in the project. Uh, and keeps it flowing instead of you just kind of getting stuck and pounding your head into the wall as you try and solve one particular piece of the puzzle, right? Completely. That's some of the wisdom that comes with doing this enough times and from pounding your head on previous projects over and over again and saying never again, you know, it's like get to that point where it's like, I'm never going to do this again. It was so painful. And so the opportunity coming into a new project like this was to remember a little bit, like part of it was just you know, a retrospective on how some of the last projects went and realizing, look, I want to do different this time. So I'm going to be upfront about what I, my strengths are, and I'm going to be upfront about what I, my weaknesses are with the client and be upfront about, I might need more time for this part of the project or whatever it is. I think like the transparency has helped trying to bounce back and forth has helped a lot because it's kept it exciting still. So even when I'm struggling with some piece, I can look forward to something else that needs to happen that isn't as technically challenging or if I'm tired, if it's been a long week and the only time I have to work on it is like on a flight home or some like off hour at night, then I have some, there should be some easy shit that I can like, you know, lay up and it's not a big deal. I'm not trying to tackle some huge problem at nine o'clock at night uh, after I've been going at it for 14 hours or whatever. And are you using like a, any kind of project management? Do you have a roadmap, a plan, uh, requirements like how are you dealing with that because what I, I guess the reason I'm asking that is uh, with the whole bouncing around idea what I do find myself consistently having issues with and maybe this is because my app doesn't have real great requirements I'm kind of building it and making up making it up as I go um, but I find myself kind of leaving things semi-incomplete and then forgetting to come back around to them um, and, and again maybe that's just because the whole app itself doesn't work end to end, right? So, I mean, I, those things aren't as noticeable yet. Maybe they will be as I get further down the road. I don't know. Just something that I was kind of thinking as you were talking. I'm with you. I had the same issues, the same challenges. What's helping me to stay organized here. I don't have a full 
Um, well, here's what I did. I'll tell you what I did. So when I first was entertaining the, the, the project, like before I even, like before there was an agreement made, there was a very loose proposal that was given to me. It was like a PowerPoint that had some slides on it. It was like a slide per page of what this app would look like. So, I mean, they did put some thought into it. I mean, the requirements weren't bad, right? Like they already gave me a good starting point. So I took that and rolled it into Figma and came up with what the mobile screens would look like start to end, you know, and spent a little bit of time doing some prep there. And then back from, uh, I got this piece of it from my construction days when I was doing like the home audio stuff. Like those guys were very formal with specifications and you'd have like one point one dot a dot one dot B or whatever, you know, <laughs> very, very meticulously laid out. Like the contractor shall provide X, Y, Z. And like the, so I took that kind of approach, dumbed it down a little bit or simplified it, but took what I saw visually in Figma and I wrote it down into an outline in the contract. And so as far as like what the deliverables were going to be, it's like, okay, well, here are the pages. And so there's like, you know, let's just go with 12. There's 12, one through 12 is going to be each screen. And then within that, I might have a few bullet points, A, B, C, D, like it's going to provide a login button to Facebook and it's going to provide a login button to Google. And then if the user's logged in, it's going to skip this page and go to that page. So like, that's where I kind of outlined all the steps, um, which gets pretty detailed. I think it was like an eight page contract for this, this app, which is a pretty basic app, honestly. Um, and then I did the same thing for like working my way back. I said, okay, the API is like, I already know that I'm going to have to have some basic user profile API and it's going to require add, update, delete, or, you know, whatever. I'm making shit up now, but like the user profile was in there, the user API, the payments API that connected to Stripe. There's going to be some reporting involved. So the reporting API. So I outlined all those pieces and then started getting to work. And then what I've been doing to kind of, but bridge the gap between what I've done and what's remaining is if I get something and it's not quite there, I'm using every, everything I'm, I have is in GitLab. So I'm using the GitLab repo. I really like what they've done and it's free for private projects, uh, unlimited. So I have a GitLab account, all the code is in there and I just use some of the project management tools they have. They have their own task manager and that kind of shit. And so I can just put stuff in there and check it off. Perfect. Yep. That's kind of what I was wondering is if you were using something, I was thinking more Git cause, uh, or a uh, uh, GitHub, because that's what I end up using. But yeah, that's the kind of thing I was curious as to if you had had project planned it uh, more than just kind of here's the screens I'm going to deliver, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would say like basically having the screens in Figma and then taking that to an outline really buttoned up all the details. And then that wasn't even entirely technical. It was very functional, but I could take that and put a technical set of requirements together in the uh, GitLab. And, and that's been pretty good. I think, I think the takeaway from it for me though has been like, yeah, you said I've been pretty dialed in and I haven't been, you could tell that I haven't been on my normal routine that I was in like around the holidays, which I think is good because I was kind of in a lull at that point anyway. But what's been nice about this time is because of the planning and being upfront about it and buffering my time, like I have noticed a shift in how I've been able to respond to this project. So typically in the past, I would have blocked everything off cancel all my appointments, wouldn't talk to anybody. Oh, by the way, I can't do the podcast for three months because like this project fucking came up and I don't know what I'm going to do till it's done. So it's been nice to see that shift, like that I've been able to do maintain this. I still have maintained some social activity. Like I'll be doing some travel. I'll be in Denver this weekend working on 
a house project for my mom. So like I'm able to do that. And I still have a call with those guys, like a status call, you know, at 9am on Saturday. So it's pretty cool to get to that point where like my life doesn't stop because I just got over my skis and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. It's like, okay, like wisdom comes along over, over time of doing it wrong. Like we figure out ways to do it right. And it's a pretty good feeling. Well, and I feel a lot of it's just psyching yourself out, right? Like you, I think at this point, to your point, you have enough experience that for a minute you kind of were like, oh shit, here's a lot of work. I'm in trouble. And then instead of you just kind of flying off the deep end and just kind of freaking out and doing this or that or trying to like flail and get things done, you kind of stopped and slowed down and planned and and made a, a, you know, a solid step forward or a solid plan to go forward. And because you did that, I think things seem a lot more attainable uh, yes. or completable. Uh, and so it keeps you, you know, much more calm and, and able to keep progressing instead of just kind of falling into the trap of stress. And, and I think I feel like if you get stressed, you immediately kind of just are ineffective, right? Yeah, right. Like the, the stress itself is paralyzing and it kind of puts you in that place where you just don't even know where to start, right? It's all overwhelming. Yep, yep. Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't serve a healthy purpose. I mean, it's good to have some sense of urgency around a deadline to make sure you're staying on top of things. But, um, you know, I would say to this too, like I would offer up for other developers listening and other, what I've found to be extremely helpful too, as far as like tackling some of these things is I'm a huge proponent of the Pomodoro effect, which is like the Pomodoro is the technique, not effect. It's a Pomodoro technique. That is, it's, it's essentially time boxing, right? So you would say like for 25 minutes, you set a timer for 25 minutes and just get into the shit. And so a lot of times I've been stuck, like you're describing, I've been paralyzed. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And so Pomodoro is great. Cause it's like, look, I'm just going to fucking do something related to the project for 25 minutes. And that's it. Like, that's my goal for this session. And a lot of times, like when I do that, even though in the beginning, I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, or I need 10 hours to get this done. 25 minutes is enough of a time box to like force you just to like accomplish something and then get traction and say, okay, well, I can do that again. And I can, do, and you can build momentum off of that so that it isn't this huge thing. Cause it really is about breaking it down. I mean, I think as developers, one of our biggest challenges, especially as we're coming up in the ranks is that we don't learn how to properly size things, how to estimate things, how to break it down. And so a lot of times when we're in a sizing meeting or an estimation meeting, and people say, uh, I don't know, two days. It's like, basically, I don't fucking know, right? Yep. Like, and what that tells me is that it's not that you don't fucking know. It's that like the problem is too big at that level. Like it needs to be broken down into smaller steps. So, yep. And yeah, I would agree that that's a, that's a hard nut to crack. And I think there's a lot of engineers, even that are, that are many, many, many years into their career that still are una- unable to do that. They just kind of use, uh, really vague terms like that, they'll be like, oh, that's a week or that's, you know, that's four days, I, whatever it may be. I don't know, but <laughs> it, it, right. I, I still see that even today. So uh, sizing is a very hard thing. And that's why you have project managers and, and different methodologies on, on just how to do that uh, project management. So that's a big deal. So the one time guys were smaller is better. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, should we, uh, you want to, you want to put the wraps on this here show? That's the wrap for episode 13 of the Coffee and Code cast. You can contact us at Twitter at ChipperSF. That's me, ChipperSF. 
reach Kyle at, at Kyle P. Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, and reach the show at Coffee Code Cast. Um, also, if you're going to give us a shout-out or talk shit, make sure you include us with the hashtag Ask3C. That's how we can see your comments. You can email us at coffeecodecast at gmail.com and hit us up at our website, our official website, www.coffeecodecast.com. Subscribe to our episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, and TuneIn. Rate us, like us, share us, leave us a comment. Really, we'd love to hear from you guys. Anything, good, bad, or otherwise, reach out to us. we can bullshit a little bit i mean i have i feel the same way i haven't really talked to you i I was reflecting on this when i was back in seattle the last time i think i barely saw you there either i don't know if it was just like you may have been home one day or i don't know what the fuck was even going on but it's not like we had a lot of time on that visit i felt like to catch up so i think that was the beginning of my house woes version 500 oh fuck i think i think yeah that's killer (laughs) i think that was the day that uh they were coming over to, what the hell was it, gas problems, something like that. I don't know. I, I ended up being out Thursday. I think you left Thursday, and I was out Thursday. So, yeah. And then you're in quite a few meetings back to back to back. So, yeah, just wasn't a lot of time. Wasn't a lot of time. And the way that things are going now, so when it started out with Q4, it was more of a regular thing, like come out Tuesday, go back Thursday, but do it every other week. So there was always a little touch point, but it felt really rushed. Um, this time around brad said let's back it off like let's do four a quarter so it's kind of like 
one and a third a month, right? I mean, it's a little weird to kind of time it out. So, like, I've done two so far this year. I've been back there twice. I'll be back there again next week. Um, but I'm going to be out there longer. So, like, that's what I'm trying to do now is to make it not as frequent but a little more length to it so that it doesn't feel so quick. Because that's what happened. Like, I'd go there for a day and a half with two days, and it was just, like, fucking meeting, 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 home. Uh, you know, it was just a lot. So, well, and not only that, but you have, I mean, just, just even beyond your side projects that we've talked quite a bit about here. I mean, in your regular nine to five job, you have no shortage of shit going on right now with a, you know, we, we, there was a company acquired, you know, you're converting a bunch of code to you, to their platform. You've got other projects in the queue. So, I mean, yeah, you've got a, you got a fuck ton yeah. of work going on right now. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm growing the grays. I guess that's the thing right now, right? Like that's the... <laughs> That's the benefit of all this shit, man. It puts a couple gray hairs on the old chin, huh? <laughs> Speaking of that, I just got called out for that shit yesterday. Uh-oh. Who called? The wife calling you out already on the gray hairs, man? Yeah, she was telling me I look distinguished. Oh, distinguished. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's very good for Christina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look distinguished. Need to bust out the just for men, I guess, already. <laughs> no, fucking own that shit, man. I tell you what, like, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be correcting any of that shit. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It, well, the problem is it's only one little spot on the corner of the chin, so it's going to be like this one little like stripe. It's so funny how that happens because my buddy Slayer downstairs on two, you know, down there, uh, him and I had the same thing. Like in the beard area, it's like little patches on the sides. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, now that I think about it, people that I know with beards do seem to have some sort of a light spot in it usually. Starts on the sides and then it's all downhill from there, boys. Yeah. Are you saying Slayer's old? Slayer's showing his age. He's very <laughs> distinguished in his age. He's a, he's a handsome fella. I have some bullshit I want to talk about. Is uh, what are what is the likelihood that we would do some kind of running event this year? Are we still feeling good about that? Are we still kind of is it up in the air a little bit? Uh, well, I just ran yesterday. Uh, it's that's something that I definitely want to get into again. Um, for you, for me, I guess I should say the weather here is a bit more uncooperative <laughs> yeah, and I am sure. definitely not a fan of treadmills. Um, they're very painful for me, not painful in a, in a real way, but I just, I, Mentally. yeah, I, I have a really hard time just being in one place constantly. That's why generally I like to run outside and, and, and cycling outside are, are kind of things. I'm not a big gym guy, I guess. So, yeah. um, I'm trying to get into it uh, a little bit more. Uh, I would have probably even run this evening if we weren't doing the show. Um, maybe I still will. I don't know. It's awfully cold here today. Like it's been in, it's been frosty in the morning. So, oh boy, um, that's tough. Hoping for it to warm up, but yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, I think I'm still interested in it. Um, am I ready for that kind of thing? Like now? Hell no. Uh, I'd need quite a bit of training to get there, but I'm, I'm still intrigued. Yeah, I would say the same. Like, I'm intrigued by it. I went running. I, I, well, first of all, I ordered some, some gear. I had some shoes, but I ordered some running shorts and, you know, whatever. So I went out on Saturday and did six, uh, on the Embarcadero, which was kind of fun. I did just like a three mile out and back kind of a thing, but I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm not in tip top shape. Like, right now, like that 10, that was, it was, it was, it was, I wanted to do a 10K. It was a little short of a 10K. I'm going to probably sign up for one in March and do a 10K. Okay. But, um, I mean, but if we're going to, 
But going the distance is like doing four of those motherfuckers. Yep. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. So I'm open. I guess we'll just kind of play it by ear and see how things go as it gets into spring and gets a little nicer. Cause I'd like to up my game a little bit, but I'm who I just need to be able to, I mean, my, I'm not, I'm not setting a high bar for this one. I would be interested just in completion. I just don't want to do it for five hours. Either, <laughs> you know? It's like, so I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Well, here's what I would say is if, if there was any plan that we were going to run together and complete it, you know, at a similar pace, I guess I would say, yeah. um, traditionally, even, even my fastest, probably half marathon, I think was somewhere in the vicinity of like two fifteen, like two yeah. hour 15. So, I mean, it, <laughs> you're going to be an hour, you're going to be at four and a half hours if you're going to be running with me, probably at a, at the minimum. Right. So what? What is that? What pace is that? Roughly. Uh, I don't know. That's math, and I don't want to do math. We don't have to think about that right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm not worried about like. I don't know. I want to say it was I, just under sub ten minutes. Okay. Because here's the deal: is that like my I I I'm just I just don't have the endurance right now as a thing. Like, what will happen is is like I'll go. I would go out and run my first ten k blazingly fast and then i would stop and eat some cookies and some pizza <laughs> <laughs> right like so i just need to regulate that a little bit i need to get a sense of pace back and i went blind i didn't have my phone or anything so i need to just at least get a device maybe you could recommend something for me but i just want to be able to track my pace i want to i want to be able to say that i'm running a nine minute pace and have it tell me if i'm going too fast or too slow yeah. is there something like that out oh there yeah for that? the garmin's would be great for that any any of the Garmin Forerunner watches or the I have the Phoenix. It's the same type of thing. Um, they'll they'll all do that for you. Yeah, I figured there's some good shit because like when I was doing this competitively, we had like a Timex watch for thirty bucks. Like it wasn't very sophisticated tech here. Yep. Um, I guess coming from somebody who wasn't a collegiate runner, but uh, what I would say, um, just from kind of my experience way back in the day, at this point, um, I I would. I would actually avoid running for time at this particular moment. I would run, I I would run for time, I guess, in a different way. I would run for, go for an hour exactly, or two. Yep. Regardless of pace, just go for an hour and, and get your body acclimated to just running for an hour and then start to work on pace. Once you've kind of gotten acclimated back to running, that's kind of the way I would look at it or that's the way I I will approach it. But maybe, you know, you've, you've done this more even than I have. So it's probably a different animal for you. No, no, you're right. No, you're actually right. Like, that's what I should be doing. My problem is that I get into a competitive nature. Yep. And I, even though I haven't run competitively in 10 years, like I go out there and I think that I can just fucking crush people <laughs> around me. Yep. <laughs> and then I get mad when my body doesn't allow me to do that. <laughs> yeah. When you're wheezing like you were on the last podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, this, this fucking six miler, like I busted the first three miles out probably in uh, eight minute pace, maybe a little, maybe a little better on the better side of that. And then turned around and just like fucking wanted to take a shit on the fucking <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> I finished it, but I had to go a lot slower. It's like, okay, dude, like you gotta, that's, I like, but I agree with you. Just go for time. I think what was really hard for me is I didn't even have a sense of how fast I was going. Cause I have been doing treadmill training and for that, it has been very dialed in. Like I'm going to do 6.0 or eight, whatever the fuck it is. And and then you get into that rhythm and being outdoors for the first time in a while 
I had zero concept of like, was I going 10 minutes a mile, 20 minutes a mile, five, you know, I just don't know. So, yep. but I, I agree Like that's the right mentality. Uh, and that's the right approach, I think, is to not get into the the numbers and just go for time. Yep. That's what I need to do. Yeah, that was my goal yesterday. I was going to go run down the uh, Lake Washington waterfront, and I had mapped out a route that I figured would be about the right amount of miles. And yeah, I had to take this big staircase because, as you know, I'm kind of on the top of a hill, kind of leading down toward the water. Well, I get, yeah. I get, I get over to the damn staircase, and of course, the fucking stairs are closed till like mid-year. Oh, so, for what? <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. So then I, at that point, now I'm on the other side of the hill, so now I have to go up or down the hill and and back up at some point. So I was like, God damn it, this fucking sucks. Oh, jeez. It's a big hill. That sucks, man. Anyway, I didn't get down to the waterfront, but I'm still planning on doing that. I still have the route. Um, I think it's about a six-miler in total. Um, so yeah, my goal initially is to just try and, and stay running for about an hour in terms of length. Yeah. And then that's and, great. and however long I go, that's fine. I don't really fucking care about the distance or the speed that I'm running just as long as I get my heart conditioned to be able to withstand those types of long runs, I guess. Well, there was a woman I would I would love to find out. I need to do a little more digging to remember the story, but there was there was a gal and this was in the 70s and I don't remember the whole circumstance. She she was training for a marathon and it was it was a big event. I don't remember the event. It could have been for the Olympics. I mean, I don't I don't remember. But she had been living somewhere like in the fucking Arctic Circle, right? She was up in let's say she was in Alaska and for and she had she had been coming off of an injury and so she was gonna get back into training for this race. I don't remember what it was. I'll find out the details later, but she did treadmill training for like four months before the race. And all she did was um, distance training. She had no speed workouts, no interval workouts, no hill intervals, none of that shit. She just went out and she just did distance 10 miles, 15 miles, whatever. Yep. Repeatedly. And she ended up fucking crushing the race. Like she came back and won because her base was so strong. The fact that she didn't have some of the technical work down didn't matter. Like she just fucking crushed people. It was crazy. <laughs> That's all I've ever done, honestly. I've never never been a sprinter, never been an interval guy. I've just kind of gone out and on a very consistent basis done four miles, six miles, eight miles, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And again, you know, I'd, eventually, you know, you kind of get comfortable with it and pace becomes more of a concern because you kind of, yeah, like you said, you start to get competitive even against your own self. You you want to beat your previous time or whatever. Um, but But before... Uh, or I guess until then, I just kind of relied on, I'm going to run this many miles today, no matter how long it takes. Well, and I think that's the winning strategy. I think the the part of it that I don't, and I've been out of it a while, so somebody can correct me on this too, but it's like, maybe it's psychosomatic. But for me, I feel like it goes both ways. Like I need to get the base mileage down, but then also too, like it really helps me to kind of advance a little bit by getting my body used to faster pace. So like I'll go and do like, um, 400s or like quarter, you know, quarter mile, um, intervals and like pick a ridiculous pace. Like I'll do a quarter mile. I'll do, let's say I do 12 quarter mile intervals. So that's three miles. Um, but I'll do that at like a six minute pace or a six thirty pace. Like I would never do that in a marathon. I couldn't sustain it, but like, you know, my body all of a sudden, like doing that six minute 
30 second pace in a quarter mile sprint for three miles. Like now when I go out and run a 10 K at eight 30, it feels like I'm taking a nap, you know? <laughs> yep. Like, so I don't know like that, but that's probably just me mentally. I'm not sure. Like the, the studies probably show that like, don't be a fucking idiot. Like I am trying to kill myself over there. Just go out and just get, just get the base in. Like that's, and that's the way to go. So I need to do that. I brought my running gear. Um, I'm packing my running gear with me on some of my travels coming up. So I'm excited to like actually get some runs and I'll be in Denver this weekend to get a run in there. And then I don't know, maybe run in Seattle. Sweet. Yeah. If you do it, then, then we should go together. You'll smoke me, but I'll come with. 